This is the Relevant Podcast. It's episode 1118, and it's the Relevant Podcast here in Orlando. I'm your host, Cameron Strength, and joining me from Loverland, Virginia, it's Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. From Nashville, Tennessee, our managing editor, Downtown Emily Brown. Hey, y'all. Derek is, uh, I was just on a trip with Derek, and he is in LA right now. So he, he he's doing? out there at ComplexCon. He's at, uh, they have a showcase at ComplexCon oh, cool. right now. So he's out in LA. But joining us from LA, maybe he can go down and hang out with him, is uh, Marty, you know from Social Club. I would love to if the 10 words wasn't on fire. So, all right, if no one heard about this, uh, one of the main bridges, one of the main highways that goes directly to L.A., crosses literally through L.A., caught on fire. How? How did the 10 catch on fire? <laughs> okay, so, you know, at first, everybody's cynicism was like homeless people, for sure. That's it. It's almost <laughs> not. Basically, what happened was um, a company subleased the bottom area of the 10 and they they subleased it to a company that had disinfectant like hand sanitizers and like a company with those type of chemicals so once they stored them there yeah they stored them under the bridge and by the way was not paying rent um was behind on rent like it's a whole bad situation and eventually it caught on fire there's no safety regulations of course the whole bridge melted and now at 300,000 people a day take this bridge so just imagine the traffic right now. I, I had to tell actually Derek's business partner. I was like, don't take the 10 anywhere else you want to go. Feel free. But the bridge is melted. And uh, so it takes about now four hours to get there. All because of illegally stored vats of hand sanitizer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that was subleased and uh, was uh, never like no one. You ever seen like office space where they're like, for some reason, Milton just gets paid off a glitch. And uh, <laughs> so we just fix the glitch. Basically, it's the same situation off a glitch. They didn't know that all this was happening. And now they're you know paying the consequences. It's like, do you guys remember the early days of COVID when there was a lot of like opportunists like going to Costco and buy, and this is like before they knew how it was like transferred and like people were just buying like vats and vats of hand sanitizer and then and, realizing and it all ran out and they had to do that off brand weird smelling oh, yeah. hand sanitizer yeah, it's you a know, weird like texture too because it's it's slippery and sticky at the same time which is it's <laughs> it's, it's very unpleasant it's probably that that's yeah, probably they probably the it's probably somebody made this big purchase and has just been storing it under a bridge until they can offload it somewhere <laughs> yeah it's all that is under that bridge and it was on fire so it's gone now so don't even worry about it it's completely gone well we have a great show in store for you today uh, you want a little behind the scenes originally we had a guest that had a new christmas project to talk about but no no that didn't work out timing didn't work we're going to do that later so we have for you Mike Todd, Pastor Mike Todd, who has a best-selling new book uh, about mental health and trauma. You don't want to miss that. But, you know, it's Thanksgiving week. So we, we tried our best to schedule, you know, thematic kind of conversations. But let's go with a bestseller instead, Mike Todd. But, you know, it is the holiday season. So if you were wanting some Christmas or holiday type content, you know, that's coming up soon. Don't worry about it. We got it. I personally am a stickler of like, we have to get through Thanksgiving before we can start celebrating Good. Christmas. Yeah, as, as you should. That's gone now. Yeah, too, I, the mall, the I know here, too many people that already have Christmas trees in their house. Like November first, they were posting that they were putting up their Christmas tree, and I was like, 
we have lost our way as America. We don't need this. Wait. But let the, hey, here's my deal. Let people live. Whatever no. brings you joy, man. Do it. That's fine. No, we are. If you want that tree in your house, that doesn't bother anybody. Go for it. No, Who we are, cares, we are a society of of rules. Social order cannot begin to break down. First, we're celebrating Christmas before Thanksgiving. Then, you know, it's anarchy in the streets. There has to be some no, it's a direct you know, vats of hand sanitizer. I mean, melting bridges. Yeah, you know, yeah. Opportunists are lighting vats of hand sanitizer on fire because they don't want to store it legally anymore. It's yeah. this it's is a how slippery it slope, and it's kind of sticky too because it's off brand. Yeah. Do you guys know why? Do you guys? There's actual reason why we're actually celebrating Christmas earlier. Do you guys know why? Because we love uh, the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus. I think it's because not. we're depressed and we want like a holiday season. It's one of the reasons is that. But I was also reading that like they're hiring Santas now. And so Santas are able to work for like a longer period of time to like give money. I don't know. I heard that that was one of the like big Santa. There's a union is not of Santas. The one for, no. Big Santa big union Santa. is um is literally putting their, you know, in. I haven't heard a good Santa conspiracy in a minute, so that was good. <laughs> I support the scab Santas that are going out at the appropriate times. They're always skinny, though. That's the issue. They're not like thicker. They're like skinny as can be. They don't belong there. Just kidding. And um, yeah. fake beards. You know, it's like you know, Home Alone. I actually, this is a hot. This is a hot take. I actually prefer non-authentic mall Santas, like ones where it's obviously fake beard and kind of stuffed shirt. <laughs> Because there's something just a little unsettling to me that people <laughs> that, that are, are are Santas all year round. Like, I actually yeah. prefer just the fake beard than someone who is living the Santa dream year round. I, I Seeing, just, seeing a, a retiree who clearly looks like Santa, like in the middle of the summer, you know, wearing a Hawaiian shirt and shorts, but he's got the full Santa beard and he's got the belly and stuff. You know that that's what he does in the, you know. The holiday seasons. It is. It is unsettling. I'm with you. It's weird. Yeah. yeah full full time Santas. I don't know. I just. I mean, is there yeah, a thing? Is full time like why would a someone be? Yeah, I don't think there's a full time year round Santa gig. There, there. Uh, but if you, it is, it thing. is. If you look just like Santa, that's what I'm talking about right there. There's oh, yeah. a guy on TikTok. There's a guy on TikTok, and uh, he literally looks like the image of the Coca Cola Santa. If anybody who's hearing this, if you have TikTok, I know some people don't believe in that. You know the the Ron DeSantis of the world, but. If you, uh, if he's you, listening, you're good. <laughs> if you go Ron DeSantis and the Amish, those are the two people that do yeah, not they listen to this. They podcast, don't believe in this, so. but there's a guy, he literally goes sideways and like drinks a Coca Cola while being Santa. And, uh, Emily, have you seen him? Cause you were sh you're shaking your his head, your head. Like, no, have you I'm seen sad him before? I haven't seen him. Uh, oh but... man, he's huge. He's, he literally like makes a living all year round, plays like Christmas music and then just prays with people and like loves oh. God and he preaches That's and Santa, but like cool. Yeah. He'll be like, Lord, I pray for little Jimmy and his broken leg. It's like mixed messages. But they, you have to give him a tip though. You have to give him like a little tip. Oh. That's a thing. Like the creator a fund seed. has to stack up. Plant a seed. Yeah. Yeah. Plant a seed. You get it. He'll be like, Lord, I pray for Timmy. It's a $5 prayer. So it ends right now. You give a $10 gift. We'll talk for a little bit more prayer. All right. Stay tuned. Up next. It's Relevant Buzz.
listening to Zoe Celeste and Tay Shi. The song is Big Trouble. Season four of The Chosen is in theaters now, and the reviews that count are in. Amazing. Did not disappoint. Flurry of emotions. It was powerful, heartbreaking, uplifting. You have got to come and see it. It is a message for everybody. I highly recommend that you come out and see The Chosen season four. Episodes one through three of The Chosen season four are in theaters till February 14th. So visit thechosenriseup.com and get your tickets now. That's thechosenriseup.com for tickets today. Okay, it's time for... Hey, Emily, tell us what's happening at the intersection of faith and culture this week. Right. So the first thing I want to talk about is Kat Von D, you know, the tattoo artist who we've been talking about a little bit recently. Um, A few weeks ago, she started opening up about her new faith journey, which has been really fun to follow along. And recently she started talking about the church she attends. And I was pretty surprised to see what she had to say um, in a good way. Uh, Like, I'm happy about it. Hopefully you'll be happy about it, too. Um, basically instead of choosing a modern church home, like you might think she'd prefer, she's gone a totally different route. She went on the relatable podcast with Ali Bestucki and talked about her church journey. And here's what she had to say. I'm seeking more traditionalism. Like I don't, um, like when it comes to my worship, this is just for me. It's like, I, I want to worship. Like, I don't want to go to a concert. I don't want to, um, I don't like, like I dress, we, we all dress nice when we go to church. That's just our own personal thing. Like this is a sacred space. And like, I, um, like that's how, how I do it. And I feel like, um, other, other outlets and stuff like just didn't really align with, um, with what, what, what I'm looking for, you know? Yeah. But so, so I feel like God just like spit me out in on the doorsteps of the most perfect church for us. And we go in there and there's, you know, it's a very small congregation. It's, it's a lot of old people. And, um, they, my parents were always late as, as a kid. So I have anxiety about being late. I do not like being late. And so I was like, all right, well, I got there too early and they were, we interrupted their prayer circle and these people just stood up and embraced us. And, um, they were just, they, they didn't really care about who, people think we are you know they were just like oh yeah you're the lady that bought the house down the street and we've been we've actually been praying for you mm. and like um and so then I was like okay well let's try this this out because it's like you know I want to see if if what, what the pastor's all about pretty much like I, I want to learn about the bible like I don't want like necessarily feel good stories or you know like like I, I'm here to learn and so and then you know pastor Brian is like um that's that's what he's all about so so I was like man I can't believe that you know, we got lucky and found this place so quickly. I thought it was funny. Like when we saw the, when we were covering like her baptism and stuff like that, clips were going around of her singing in the choir. And we talked about it on the show, like it was all like these old white haired people. And then her, it was just like very fish out of water looking. And so I thought, I thought to myself when I saw that, Oh, that's sad. She's new. She's a new Christian. She doesn't even know that there's kind of better, <laughs> better churches than just the old person one at the corner of her street you know uh no apparently she has gone to and knows about the other churches she just doesn't yep. want them she wants this traditional experience you know i i a friend of mine was getting uh confirmed in an episcopal church recently and we went to their i conference. know i was in the pool with him until one in the morning that's <laughs> right and and we went to the confirmation service and i gotta say i i and I've been to um, when I was in in college. I actually just 
I don't really think this is a flex, but I briefly was a paid musician at a Lutheran church too. Uh, I played guitar at a Lutheran uh, church a service for a while. I, I know it's a pretty big deal. Uh, I didn't want to say it earlier because I didn't want I you know I didn't want to. I didn't know. know you were very good at guitar, so, but oh, maybe you okay. don't have to be to play at a Lutheran church. Yeah, it's I, I'll say this: good enough, good enough. I mean, for those, for those, yeah, it's a low bar. Um, <laughs> no, I, but I, I I liked the more I, I every time I, I'm in a more traditional liturgical setting, I I really enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like I like the church I go yeah. to, but every time I'm I expand my liturgical horizons, I I was really appreciate the sort of like the the reverence and sort of thoughtfulness and, and tradition that goes into some of those experiences. Yeah, I have a friend who uh, is a pastor at a liturgical church. And when I like go visit her, it, it almost feels like I'm in a different setting sometimes just cause it is so, um, I don't want to say rigid. I don't mean that in a bad way, but it, it's very structured, um, in a way that my church, I don't think is as structured, um, but I'm like thrilled for her because it's like, that is where she really thrives. And like, she's growing her relationship. And that's how I feel with like Kat Von D where it's like, I don't think I would get the same out of it at a traditional church, but I love that that's where like her journey has started and that she's hanging out with these 70 year old grandmas singing hymns. If that's, you know, if that's what speaks to her. I think it's kind of on brand for her, for me, like She's old. She's like the vintage old school, like feel to her sometimes. And so it makes sense to me that she would be a part of a a church. My only thing is, I feel like she's the stereotype in the church. You know how there's always that one person inside the church and they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this girl got saved. Like she's the one that we all point at. Like, yeah, this girl, oh my God, this girl's testimony. I just, I don't want her to be that person, Mm -hmm. but I do feel like. I, I understand. I love like some a lot of my family is Catholic. I love going to those uh, Catholic uh, services because there is a referent reverence and there is like an yeah. older crowd that really believes it. And so I love that they really believe it. And then we the whole time I'm on my phone or I'm like telling jokes to my wife or something like that. I feel bad for doing that. But I think that like. I don't have the reference that they, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they were born with this reverence and you know, when you go to like Catholic church and they had that little thing for your knees the other day, I went, I sat down, like, they're like, get up, get up. Like they were all pissed at me because I sat. <laughs> Marty, I you think know? you're, I think you're using the, the, the term, uh, reverence when you mean attention span here in this context. <laughs> I, I think it's ADHD that I have. So in the middle of service, like I think my phone went off on like. It's probably that Santa guy on TikTok. I opened my phone and that was like the first thing I <laughs> you saw. You have his notifications. <laughs> I have his notification. They go directly to my, I'm one of the few. Yeah. He prayed for me. Sure. <laughs> All right. So Kat Von D, she chose the old people church for, for, for a reason. All right. What else do you have, Emily? There's a really surprising study that came out that found that one in four Gen Z Americans have expressed a desire to permanently live outside of the U.S. Um, so 25% of a generation like fully want to live overseas somewhere. Have 25% even experienced life and living outside <laughs> no. the U.S. at all yeah. to even know that that's what they want for the rest of their lives? Do you lives? like toilets? Do you like ice? Have you been abroad? Like okay, I will say it wasn't like they were going, they want to go to places like the UK, like a lot of places in Europe or even like Canada or something like that. Like places they can still like what, was, what was their reasoning? Just out of curiosity. What, what do you, you think know, is the reason? Did, before I get to it, do you have any guesses? 
TikTok. I would go political or something. They read read the letter that Obama wrote to America about how, or Bin Laden wrote about America. Have you heard about that? Everyone's talking about that. People are like, we're leaving America. I saw it on Twitter. Yeah. 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 Yeah, The Guardian. The political environment was a tiny part of it. The biggest part was social programs. So things like um, universal health care, better, uh, or free higher education, um, just sort of these like subsidized programs that a lot of specifically European countries offer. Free higher education, but you have a 50% tax rate too. I mean, it's like, I don't know. Like, I don't think they're thinking it all the way through. There's pros and cons on both. It would be my only point, you know? Sure. It's not some utopia or else we'd all be there. Well, yeah. I mean, you could say conversely, like you could move to America and it's like you have lower tax rate, but you have to pay more for higher education. Like, I mean, it it goes both ways. Guns. Yeah. Got, <laughs> That's a, yeah. Honestly, though, 59% did say that that was a factor into their decision. Had because, to be. Because like, Gen Z's been affected like more than any other generation by gun violence. Think about like in their early life, they were already hearing about it. We, I didn't hear about anything like that when I was growing up. I mean, we're all about the same age, but like Columbine yeah. was like the first time I heard about like a shooting and that scared us. I mean, that made the whole church get together and hold hands and stuff. And I think about how my niece... Wait, 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 wait. It made the whole church come together and hold hands? Yeah, youth group. We all like held hands in a big circle and prayed. Um, oh, prayed. Okay. Yeah, we all just, prayed for like America. Right. and like We heard uh, about Columbine Lu- and it made us all hold Lu- hands. Lu- Lu- all did this 45 yeah. times. He was rocking in the corner. That's basically, <laughs> oh, what he, you know right, what I'm saying? Right, you know what I'm talking about here. I do think, and I'm not dismissing any of these concerns, right? Like, yes. But right. I also, I think, you know, there's a tendency in the modern information age for kind of the content that elicits the strongest emotion to be the content that is most prevalent and, and that people end up consuming the most. And, and that's for a variety of psychological reasons. People, you know, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like self-preservation is going to be above like, just being entertained, right? Like if someone perceived threats, the so people are always, you know, just biologically uh, predisposed to be on the lookout for, right? And so, like modern right. media consumption is is predisposed to kind of just show negative and show bad stuff. Where if you know, I, I wonder how much of it is like a perception of negativity and looking for an alternative to it in another place seems appealing. Because because of of perception of these things, when how many people in their day to day life mm-hmm. actually encounter you know these you know kind of negative negative things or or, or or like perceived threats or if it's just sort of a constant flow of negative content has made people want to look for an alternative way to live you know does that make sense I, yeah. probably a wordy way of saying it but i think that could be part like we there's we see so much like we see a lot of the negativity of living in america and i think at the same time because of tiktok or like other social media i can see what it's like for a person in england to tell me what their life is like and how they're benefiting from these programs or from this different thing whatever and i can think wow, well, what if I moved over there? Like, I think we're seeing the positives that they're showing because I'm not looking at like a UK news channel because they're also getting negative news, but I'm just not seeing it. 
Huh. I, I first off, Jesse, that was a, like such a good response. <laughs> you know that I felt like that was like the smartest. I was like, you just blew us all away with like, uh, like on uh, Billy Madison, where the guy just answers correctly. Anyway, um, <laughs> but I will say that um, I, I agree with Emily. I agree with you, Jesse. Like this idea that the grass is always greener on the other side. Yeah, and so everybody's like, I. You could say all you want. You live in Canada. I have some friends that like live in Canada. They make it look so good. I went to Canada a couple months ago, and I was like. I can never live here ever, ever. Like you think it's all great. And then you actually look at what is over there and maple as Americans drenching everything. Yeah. yeah. And there's like, every store is like kind of off. It's like a, it's like, you don't have like a foot locker. It's like shoe holder. The score of every, <laughs> the score of every hockey game is like three to yeah. two. Like I wore, I wore a blue Jays. I wore like a hockey Jersey, uh, the maple leaves. And these mm-hmm. people were like so upset, but in the nicest Canadian way, they're like, Hey fella. And I'm like, what's up? And they're like, it's not a good team. Um, be careful. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like in New York, in New York, one time I was wearing a red, uh, red socks and the guy hit my hat off once when I was like 12. I was like, what the heck? It's different. But I think in America, we live, we are, we drown ourselves in comfort. So we think we want something like the UK. And then you go over there and you're like, wow, I really live a privileged life in, in Florida. Like everything is huge. Like gas stations exist here. It's different. So I just always think it's grass is greener. I, I wonder I wonder what the inverse would be. Like how many people from around the world would say, I would rather relocate to the United States. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, I there's literally I millions of people that immigrate yeah. to the US every year. Yeah. Um that's and so the thing too is like these are just yeah, I think there's a line saying, at the border that kind of says there's yeah. demand yeah. to uh, yeah. the interesting thing is like this is all just Gen Z saying they would do it. It's not like the reality of are they actually gonna yeah. do it significantly lower um like i mean i joked about moving permanently to europe after i went when i was like 17 and i've like gone back a few (laughs) times i realistically it would take a lot for me to like fully move there because there's like you said like there's things i'd have to give up and figure out logistic like it would be such a big never see your family again yeah literally um i would i will say this the one thing i they always kind of come back to, especially like in Spain, and I guess this is true for like Central American, is the normalization of naps. That alone would is <laughs> is like a big pull for me. Like all the social issues, those are going to exist anywhere, right? It's different ones, but the, every 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 country is going to have their social and cultural issues. Normal the normalization of naps, but Jesse, it's because they eat dinner at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, it and- sounds it sounds great. It's like it's like. It's like a sleepover right. every, every, you know, you don't even start dinner until like 930, yeah. you know? Yeah. And usually that's like the first course is like sangria. That, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. true. That's, that's you're talking about Spain. For moving. Yeah. Spain, yeah. You're yeah. talking about Spain here. That is what it's yeah. like. Let's just take the best parts of Spain, Spanish culture and bring it to America. Yeah. And then Some paella. Best of both See, worlds. Okay, this yeah. does make me wonder though, like. Let's say, sure, a whole quarter of a generation moves away. What does that do, like, for American society, American culture? It's not going to happen. So that we don't even need to. It's not going to happen. If it did happen, I think I'd be happy. I'm like you. The people who need to go just need to go. They just (laughs) they need to, and then they need to come back with their tails between their legs and be like, America's pretty good. Pretty good here. Or come back with a critical mass to bring napping to our culture. Yes. That's, that's, that's <laughs> true. You know, when they people complain, they're like, I hate when uh, people from outside countries bring their culture into America. Like, this is America. No, 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 no. This is one of those things where we yeah. could say, 
Let's let's, let's hear them out. Let's adapt, guys. Yeah, let's hear them out yeah. on the fiesta. Pa- paella will skip, but the fiesta we're done. Once again, the common sense party is bringing siestas to. I mean, that's one of our main platform issues. Is a lot of the world realizes the beauty and and just snoozing for about forty five minutes, about three o'clock every day. Why don't we bring that here? You know? I love I love like we we've tried to make a, a concerted effort to not have jokes run in between Doesn't episodes matter. because if some people didn't hear the original episode they're very confused by what you mean by common sense party yeah. but I like the fact that this running gag is so strong important that we keep coming back I mean, to it's going to go through the 2024 election party. let me let me catch people up I'm running for the presidency in 2024 right. and it's all issues that are, we can we, we can we have a hundred percent approval rating on. Okay, we're just going to ignore a lot of issues. I'm just going to say that right now, a lot of stuff I don't have the solutions for, but the stuff I do yeah. have the solutions for will make up for it. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'm not going to figure out the environmental snaps. issues. Like, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. I'm not going to I'm not going to figure out you know environmental issues. But I t- tell you what, you're going to worry about it less because you're going to be much more well rested in the next four years. <laughs> I, I believe you, Jesse. If you're not watching this, he has a toothpick in his mouth right now, and I just believe yeah, everything yeah. he says because he looks so That's confident right. with that toothpick. I'm like, I, I 100% agree. He's this just is how we're gonna, it's like yeah. a cigar. It's almost like you're giving. You're like, yeah, you know, here, and I just believe it. I am glad you brought this up because I want to ask about the toothpick. Why? Yeah, I've never seen you just like. Have one hanging you out. You were just your mouth. eating grizzled steak <laughs> yeah. uh, right before we started. No, recording. I literally. Have, it's funny. I didn't. Uh, I think I will incorporate it because I feel like it's like you know when you chew a big hunk of gum and you just it just gives you a degree of confidence. Like, yeah, oh, is sure. that right? You know, you just kind of <laughs> it gives you a little attitude. Like, if I've you put, never gotten confidence from chewing well, you're gum. Chewing the but wrong okay, gum. Right. Yeah, I'm like tobacco. I I could see some. Okay, <laughs> okay, whatever. okay real, real quick. If you're if you're talking to somebody like let's just say yeah. you go to the mechanic and they're working on your car and they're yeah. they're telling you what needs to get done or you go in yeah. and he's got two big pieces of gum and he's just kind of like hmm, gnawing on that thing you're like that guy seems like a cool guy he's chewing a big hunk of gum right in the middle of the day. I don't want my mechanic like blowing bubblicious bubbles. You I'm know, telling you, stuff. you, you can't know. not look like you know what you're talking about if you're chewing a big hunk of gum or blowing bubbles. <laughs> you, you just don't. You look hyper confident. Yeah, you, no one's ever just, looked insecure had, like chewing gum. If you, that's right. You know what looks, you know what looks it's guilty? So simple to uh, do. Mentos. Mentos look guilty. You know, like it, like yeah. push it out from like the yeah. bottom of the thing and foil, and you're like, uh, yeah. And but, I, if the guys, if I had to choose, I guess I'm going to choose gum on that. Yeah, exactly. So you look up, but I did have something stuck in my tooth right before we started. <laughs> it's on brand though for you, Jesse. I'm not going to lie. The toothpick is, is it? It's like a mint toothpick. I yeah. think I'm about incorporating it into into just uh, you know potting because it really does you know just it really it gives you like a an everyman image like which is great for yes, the, does. For the, the common too, sense yeah. party campaign where it's like you're just a guy good. Good. who's got some ideas and all this yeah <laughs> yeah all right what's the last thing uh, Emily yeah last thing uh, so for King and Country uh, they have sort of a movie coming out about their life, um, which one of the guys, Joel Smallbone, he is starring in it. He's playing their dad, but it adapts their family's real life journey from Australia to the U S in the 1990s. Um, and just kind of shows like the family struggle and how they got started, uh, with their sister and then with them as well. And that we got the trailer right here. All right. Here's a clip. How y'all doing? Are y'all from England? Uh, Australia, Australia. We wish I had an accent. Dad, I wrote a song. Yeah, when you're this good looking, you could do movies. Yeah, I get it. That's great, honey. Yeah. Lion Gates. 
the struggles of two tall, handsome brothers that and are also famous very talented. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whose sister is Rebecca St. James. So even if they try to dress Joel down and look like he still has like a good-looking like we all know deep down he looks like James Bond. It's them, them, and the Property Brothers are probably four of the most handsome men there there are. I wish the Property Brothers were playing them in. That would have been that more would be realistic. so funny. This is everything we have. I'd watch. Yes. Sometimes it's going to grow, and sometimes it will shrink, but it cannot be allowed to disappear. This looks well made. Yeah. yeah. It's Lionsgate. Oh, it's Lionsgate. Wow. Yeah, it's the people that did like Jesus Revolution. So it does seem like it actually has a pretty good adaptation. Because their sister is Rebecca St. James, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So they've been yeah. doing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think it's I think it sort of focuses a little bit more on like the beginning of her journey, just because they were so young when they moved. Yeah. But uh, there's like a kind of little like nod in the trailer for them saying like we want to make music too. When does it come out, Emily? Um, it will come out next spring, uh, April 26th. Yeah, I'll, just, I'll be honest with you. When Emily said, "Hey, you know, for King Country movie," I kind of rolled my eyes, thinking, "What a it's just a vanity project. Who cares?" I'm sorry. This is really good looking. Yeah, like, I'm really. I mean, now I kind of want to see know. it. This is. Uh, it looks yeah, like really inspirational. Right. It's a good one. Yeah, I can only I imagine. I still think I'd rather see a, a version where they are played by the Property Brothers. Yeah. I yeah. just think. <laughs> I'm just upset Dennis Quaid's not in it because he's in all those other movies. <laughs> he's in and all the other ones. I yeah. just wish that I could see Dennis Quaid one more time. I just think it's funny that Joel's playing his dad. Like it just feels kind of meta, which I appreciate. Um, but yeah. All right, that'll do it for. Relevant Stay tuned up next. Mike Todd joins us. listening to Emily Cocall featuring Maya Folick. The song is North American Scum. Oh, that's my high school nickname. Well, Relevant has a lot happening this year and we don't want you to miss a thing. Make sure to sign up for our newsletter right there on the front page at relevantmagazine.com and we'll send you our top five trending stories sent to your inbox every weekday. We'll also send you a weekly uh, podcast newsletter with the latest episodes, some uh, fan extras, and first peeks at the new shows that we're going to be rolling out throughout this year. Make sure to sign up. It's the best way to keep in touch with everything we got going on. Well, our guest today is Mike Todd. He's the lead pastor of Transformation Church in Tulsa and the author of numerous books, including his most recent New York Times bestseller, Damaged But Not Destroyed. We sat down with Mike to discuss uh, why it's important to not let trauma hold you back and how we can walk in the identity God has given us Here's part of our conversation, Mike Todd. I think maybe a good place to start is what can you tell me about the message of the book? Number one, I think the overall message of this book, even though the title is damaged but not destroyed, the message is the value is still in you. Like I'm just looking at so many different people right now who've gone through hard situations, going through disappointing situations, people whose faith has been disappointed or people has dis disappointed them and it's taken something from them and they feel like their worth has been challenged 
changed. Their identity has been um, um, scarred and maimed. And do I still have value? And when I look through the Bible, it's just amazing to me. It's scandalous how many people God uses who had damage in their life, jacked up families, messed up decisions, but he still chooses to partner with people who are not perfect. And he uses their damage to be a gateway to their destiny. And I know in culture, people try to make you feel ashamed and like, man, you messed up. That's who you are. But what you do is an event. Who you are is who God says you are. And I just want to let people know, no matter what has happened to you, how damaged you think you are, there's value still in you. And God has put value in you that nobody can take away. You just have to believe it to start actually dealing with some of the trauma and that trauma be able to turn into triumph. So the message of damage but not destroyed is the value is still in you. Why do you think that's something that our culture needs to be reminded of today? <laughs> because every day people are trying to devalue. Like they're trying to um, put their opinions on what you feel like you're supposed to do in comments and emails and, and passive aggressive um, communications. A lot of people have become more pessimistic than positive and they're not really looking at the bright side. They, they say stuff like, I'm just keeping it real and this is 100% facts. And yeah, I, I believe that we have to be um, um, real with where we are, but that's not where we have to stay. I believe that faith begins where understanding ends. Like we need faith after it doesn't make any sense. Peace that passes all understanding. That means my understanding, this don't make no sense. Now God's peace works in. And I just think that so many people um, specifically since the pandemic have been discouraged in business, in parenting, in, uh, in what they believe they can have in relationships relationships. And um, I just, I don't know, I have a burden. You can see by the way I'm talking, the passion to really help people understand that how you see it is not how God sees it. He sees um, past the valley. He sees the mountaintop. And sometimes he doesn't deliver us from it. We have to go through it. And many times in our own life, in my own life, I've had to go through damage but I didn't stay there. That damage was a gateway or an opportunity to go back to God and allow him to take everything that was broken about me and turn it into something that he could use for his glory. And so, um, I don't know, I just think in 2023, in today's age where everything is trying to find what's negative about it, I think somebody needs to be trying to find out what's positive about it, what's good about it, what's what's life about every situation, even if it looks bad at the time. When we talk about trauma, what are we talking about? Because I think some people might have different, <laughs> different yeah. beliefs. <laughs> the, uh, easy, simple Mike Todd definition is trauma is anything that impacts you greatly. So because a lot of times people think trauma is just bad things. In this book, mm -hmm. I talk about the trauma of success because that impacted me greatly. And I think that trauma can be anything from the coach not letting you play when you were in fifth grade on the basketball team to a brother and sister always telling you stop touching my stuff to not being accepted into the college that you wanted to go to the alma mater that your family went to all the way to um actually graduating the top of your class but not 
actually loving what you spent all that time doing. Like it, trauma can happen through anything. It, it's it reminds me of when the scripture says in this life, you will have trouble. I, I like to I say like in this life, you will have trauma, trauma, like the, the, the trouble will cause trauma. But the truth of the matter is every trauma, every trouble is actually an opportunity for you to learn something about yourself and learn something about God. And a lot of times people use the trauma as an excuse to stay where they're at instead of the platform to go to where God has them to go. I could think in my own life, how many times my, my, my greatest, um, um, problems in one season became my greatest victories in another. I used to have an addiction to pornography and I remember being so steep in that valley and perversion and all of those things like I will I ever be free from this and actually saying something about it confessing to the community that I was around letting the people that actually cared about me know like that was the hardest battle for years and people want to be like yeah for a couple weeks no for years like it was about but once that damn broke and i was able to release that help started coming and now it's been a decade and a half that i've been away from that addiction and i can relate to people now who are still in that it became my platform and that's what i'm just trying to tell everybody like if you if you face the pain face the trauma face the hurt with god's help it actually turns your pain into your platform. And and I really do believe that on the other side of your greatest hurdle is a great victory. And that's why we um, made the subtitle from trauma to triumph, because I believe every fail has the a potential to turn into something in your favor. I'm, you know, I'm curious, like as you were writing this book and you were thinking back on your own life, was there anything you learned about your own story? Oh my gosh, everything. <laughs> like, as I, you know, when you start writing a book, I don't know if you've ever written a book, but I never thought I would write books. I barely passed English class. Like I didn't know that this would be a medium of communication for me. So um, it, it is a hard process for me because I'm a natural talker, but I, I, I want people to see the pictures when I write. I want it to almost feel like I'm talking to them, like they can hear me when that's happening. And so as I begin to write this, I realized that a lot of the things that I considered good in my past actually affected me in a potentially negative way if I would have kept doing it the same way. And that's why it's so good to look back. I say it like this in the book is that the engine that got me here would be the same engine that destroyed me for the future. And if I didn't change my motives and and my my uh, my internal like reason of why and some of the things I'll just tell you, you'll read the book and get further um, uh, um, clarity. But I never was OK with good. Like I didn't like anything that was good. I always wanted great. Like if it wasn't great. I didn't want it. I'm talking about from food to fashion to, to house to videos, like content we put out. And I realized that that um, that principle and that that idea came from a place of trauma. It was when I was good at something, but nobody ever let me actually express that. And so I made the decision. Good is not good enough. I'm going to be great. But the truth of the matter is that engine was starting to destroy my joy 
my ability to appreciate my gratitude because it would be good like stuff would be good and i was like no this is not good like it's got to be never before seen it's got to and literally it's robbing me of moments with my wife and my family and my friends because of a trauma i had at 12 years old and it made me mike todd but it also had the ability to destroy everything that God had brought me to. And so that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dealing with real issues, like like evaluating. And so when you talk about, did I find out anything about myself? I, I, didn't, I didn't know myself before I did this book. Like <laughs> I, am, I am a brand new version of me because of reflection. And I believe that's what I want everybody to do. I wanna be their coach in this book, like walking them through the process that helped me find out where I I am today and to walk into health and healing because there's a lot of value that people still have that they're feeling like they're not worthy to actually share with the world and i just want to be their coach and be like hey you can do it i did it it is hard work but with god's help i think that we can reach destiny It's Mike Todd. Make sure to check out his newest book, Damaged But Not Destroyed, available now. All right, stay tuned. Up next is your feedback. I take life easy, you'll never see me on the driver's wheel. Always the passenger side of the journey. Let me sit back and enjoy my milk. Nonchalant, I keep myself to myself. You ain't gonna hear my plans, I keep my circle small. Seen too many man try giving their hope and hand. Haha, <laughs> they see me winning, I'm making more and I'm speaking less. I prove them wrong every time I sing. They make a mistake and they second guess. They know I got GOD on my side and he told me I will be. You're listening to Prins and Gabriella B. The song is Highs and Lows. Today's show is brought to you in part by The Chosen. Season four of The Chosen is coming to theaters nationwide on February 1st, and this season has everything. Clashing kingdoms, rival rulers, and when they're threatened by the reality of Jesus's growing influence, religious leaders do the unthinkable, choose to ally themselves with the Romans. As the seeds of betrayal are planted in opposition to Jesus's message turns violent, he's left with no alternative but to demand his followers rise up. So get ready, relevant podcast listeners. February 1st is the big release day. Go get your tickets now at thechosenriseup.com. Okay, it's time for your feedback. Uh, Last week, why did we get talking about wacky reality TV shows? Oh, well, because Chip and Joe are coming out with the Hamster versus Human show. That's right. Chip and Joe have ventured beyond home renovations, and they're doing shows for for Max like Human versus Hamster where hamsters and humans compete in the physical challenges against each other at scale and uh, other ones. Anyway, I got us thinking we should help them out and pitch them. Oh, the roller jam one. Uh, we should help them out and pitch them other oh, yeah. reality TV show uh, competition ideas. And here you hit us up on X at Relevant Podcasts. And here's a few of our favorites. Um, so Carl Adams Jr. had a lot of suggestions. Um, I think Non-stick we really need Christian. to get him in the studio because he it. he is... He's got a lot of ideas, but he mentioned one bond with your polar opposite where people diametrically opposed are locked in a house for days. So like MAGA and liberal Christian and Satanist death metal. Or classic great, I would penis. watch that. Here's the thing that show's already been made. What? Wife swap. 
Yes, Wife Swap. Yeah. The early yeah, 2000s show. That show is insane. I obviously... <laughs> literally, like... I every now and then will go back and watch a wife swap show because I love a good chaotic 2000s reality <laughs> TV. And it is insane. Like they really put, first off, the concept of swapping wives. I'm sorry. A man came up with that idea. There's no way a woman came up with that. And that these families agreed to it. Like they were asking someone to be murdered. And I'm, it's shocking no one ended up dead. I, I, I'm not going to go off on a tangent here, but I was actually thinking about this the other day. I was I was having a conversation with with a buddy of mine. And, and and somehow the the um we were talking about elaborate funerals and I said, have you ever seen the funeral clip from one of the guys? I think he was the baritone in the Chili's Baby Back Rib um song. Okay, you, you know, I got my baby back. Jeez. Barbecue sauce. Okay, yeah. the the barbecue sauce. That guy. Okay, when that guy yeah. died. <laughs> Barbecue died. I didn't know he died. No, he's he's. This was. I, I'm not making light. This was years ago, and um, his funeral was covered on a show, uh, like a Discovery Channel show that was just about elaborate funerals. They, you can watch the clip online. We should probably pull this up. He at the pallbearers. Okay. Are, he are bringing his coffin. His coffin is shaped like a big barbecue pit. I knew that. And I knew it you looks were going like this he's way. in the that. barbecue pit. And as they're walking down the aisle, it's in a church. And his and they're and they're walking with the coffin, which looks like a barbecue. They're going, I want my baby back, baby, baby, they're all baby. One tears rolling baby. down the cheeks like the Indian they're guy. They're doing the chili song, and then they bring him on stage, and then they have like a, a barbecue in the church, like a pig oh. picking barbecue. There are live pigs running around the church for the barbecue. Anyway. The only reason I know about that is because there was like a show about the world's craziest funerals or whatever. It, it was this. It was the wife swap era. It was when wow. there was n- reality TV. There was no holds barred. It was the golden a age. It was like Billy Billy the Exterminator. It was. Oh my god! It, you know, it's TLC's well, it best funeral ever. Wow, that's a great. All I have to say is I think there was a golden age of of like reality TV where it was just amazing, and that's why I appreciate. Funeral. Yeah, watch watch this. They're singing. I got my baby back, baby back, baby oh, back. That's not serious. They're in. A, he's in a. They're going to eat him after. That's what it feels like. It's going to happen. But I'm just saying Did this. 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 This used to be any given afternoon on American television. You yeah, could stumble on some great show like this. It really was the golden era. Look in the corner. Bring back. Here comes remember the Oscars biz. This is the type of stuff we were recognizing. <laughs> He's got a, the speaker has a chef, the reverend has a chef's hat on. They're sitting at, They're sitting at barbecue tables, tables yes. in a church. <laughs> but it's literally the guy, the barbecue sauce. It's that guy. Wait, okay. I'm it, like, it keeps cutting to people who are like laughing, singing, praising. And then it'll cut to someone who's like actually sad. Crying. Yeah, this is a celebration. <laughs> this is a celebration of a great life. And, uh, it feels cannibalistic. <laughs> he he I mean, was in the barbecue pit. They buried him in a barbecue pit. But he's famous for being the barbecue <gasps> sauce. Smoker, when y'all guy. say barbecue pit, I think hole in the ground. It, it's the smoker uh, thing. You know, you can buy it at Home Depot. Yeah. The live pig. When you're driving, <laughs> you smell it and you see the guy outside when you're driving. You're like, oh, that guy sells barbecues. Pull over. <gasps> he's There's a guy on the left actually barbecuing oh, during oh, yeah. the eulogy. Do you see? Yes. Yeah. There's a. 
That pastor was preaching too. To, that pastor would be preaching. Look, too. look on the left side of the preacher. There there's is. a guy actually yeah. barbecuing during the service. This is a how I want to go guys. By the way, I want it's going to be a fun celebration. <laughs> but I'm saying the guy was immortalized as one of the most wild. iconic commercial jingles, maybe of all time. N- name that five more. That's I got my baby back. Yeah. This is all I'm saying is there was a time where any given day you could turn so on the pure. TV and find a cool reality show like this. It was so anyway, pure. That, I'm so glad we're doing this. It really so was. pure. Okay. Ben Stroop says, I love this idea. Ben Stroop has had several, but I love this one. The try it diet. It's kind of like wife saw it, but two families swap food lifestyles. There's an all natural family who has to only eat ho-hos and pizza. The junk food family eats only quinoa and lettuce. Who taps out first? Yeah, I'm in. I'm in. Um, this is from, this is, uh, uh, Carl again. I could be on this. It's called America's least handy husbands. When cash and prizes by successfully doing relatively <laughs> simple household chores, loser gets unlimited free lifetime handy services sponsored by Angie. Listen, I would That's be great. the world champion of this show. Yeah, not um, only will I too. not be able to do the task, I will make whatever the problem was significantly worse by even just attempting it. That is, uh, I, I could be the world champion of that. I like uh, I like Ben's suggestion, uh, undercover CEO, because it's like reverse of the version that's already out. But this one, instead of like finding out the problems of the company, he's suggesting just live like the CEOs, go on a private jet, go to huge dinners, you know, just just all the excess, just use it all. And let's see how so bad that hole can go. So so, so the, the, the primary conceit of the show, Undercover Boss, is you take the CEO yes. and give that individual a job as, as like kind of a, in a blue collar position in a company. You're saying take one of the blue collar yes. <laughs> employees and yes. give them the power of the CEO. Money, everything. And then at the end of the movie, there's still somebody who gets a, you know, a, uh, a, a 1999 Nissan Altima, you know, because the family lost their car type thing. So like there's <laughs> that, still somebody getting a car at the very end. Um, and he's doing 50 that grand be, and stuff. That would be so much more entertaining than undercover because there's no lessons learned. We're there's not no, out for no hugging, no, no lessons. That's yeah. what we're trying to, the Seinfeld method is what we're doing. Then they have to go it's back to their fun. normal life. Yeah. And that's then just they sad. have to go back to their crummy life and be like, babe, remember when I bought that, uh, that <laughs> meal at, uh, in Dubai? When we flew to Dubai and yeah. saw Beyonce. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> for the company party. Anyway, uh, Ray Guevara says the newlywed show, but the the twist is for every wrong answer, your partner gets to type one more letter into your address bar and see what comes up as auto suggested websites based on your browsing. I'm surprised that doesn't exist. I'm I'm, I'm legitimately shocked. Like that isn't like a Netflix show. There was a show kind of like that where remember, do you remember like every, every time you do something like right or it, like they would ask you another really intricate question about your life and they had your body on like a truth it's like truth or false and they had your body on a lie detector and if you like fail a question the guy's like are you still in love with your ex and then the girl's like yeah and the whole family's there it's like destroying families and stuff it's a real show and the guy's like yeah. the girl was like yes i am and the, her husband's just like like really just depressed and sad and it's just a i think it ended after like two episodes it was pretty tough it was the golden age. It was the real golden age. <laughs> no one ever age came out as a winner on those reality TV shows. Everyone lost. A lot of, 
a lot of people say like the Madman Sopranos wire era was the was the the golden age of television. I disagree. It was Flavor of Love era. It was when two thousands reality TV. Oh, yeah. It was when I could watch Fla- yeah Flavor Flav like in a reality dating competition. Where, I could where watch the prize people. was that you win a relationship with Flavor Flav. Yeah, just I, that was the prize. And not if the I punishment. wanted more highbrow content, I could go and watch the the baritone from the Baby Back Rib song <laughs> buried in a barbecue smoker. That was what? that was the highbrow what was tlc doing before reality tv honestly because they this is it was early called 2000s. the learning channel it was That's called it was? the learning channel it was educational <laughs> programming in the 80s and 90s this is a good clip because yeah. i don't think anyone yeah. knows that the learning channel now has 90 day fiance abroad you know like and honey honey boo boo's they have holiday the most, like, special ethically yeah. they went they went like they're all of their shows are like ethically yes. questionable where it's like that, were, we're really exploiting a lot of people. It's the on, freak on show like, from the carnivals back in the 1800s. It's like, come look okay, at these freaky people. That's TLC. Remember they, No they, Neck Ed? Remember I mean, No I, Neck Ed? That's a TLC star yeah, right there. Like, I think say, he's my Roman Empire. Yeah. There, there was there was a there was a brief time where they went they went all in on like the Amish and then like you yeah. know people addicted Multiple to eating wives. hair and stuff yeah. like yeah. Yeah. I still watch Sister those wives. Still still like, on this, yeah the guys in love with this car I was more into the ones where it was just awesome blue collar job it was like. Billy the ex- it was Billy the Exterminator. You never knew he's going under somebody's house and pulling some some angry possum out, or or like a hornet's nest at a minor league baseball park or whatever, <laughs> with no protective equipment. You know, right? Like, right. He or, just wings or, it, or, or or like yeah, towing show. Did you ever watch South Beach Tow? That I was just watching that yesterday, Emily. I was looking up the clip where the guy jumps over and falls down two flights of. A Listen, parking garage. There's a new primetime repo show. I'm in. There's a new storage unit show. I'm in. It was just like give those just inject those into my vein. To me, that is the it golden TLC, age of television. Man. Yeah, and A and E. The funniest A&E thing is that TLC in true TV. Yeah, and even A and E too. Like A and E kind of has gone this direction. A and E back in the '80s, I remember we had cable and we had A and E, and it was like arts and entertainment. Yeah, it was behind culture. the they movies, would play opera, yeah. or they would play opera, and they would do different things, and it was like high society type programming. And then they just decided, like TLC, like eh, we're gonna go the complete opposite direction. All right, that'll do it for your feedback. There's more where that came from. Go check it out. Uh, it's time for this week's... Editorial question of the week. Well, uh, we're kind of pivoting away from <laughs> reality TV. Uh, this is the last uh, feedback episode before Thanksgiving next week. So we, w- we were thinking about the holidays. You know, earlier in the show, we were talking about you can't celebrate Christmas until after you finish your Thanksgiving meal. So we want to know, and here's a little teaser. On the next episode, we're going we're gonna to talk about some Thanksgiving side dishes. But we want to know your uh, most underrated Thanksgiving traditions or sides or food or things that your family does that you look forward to every year that maybe your family does that's unique that other families don't maybe enjoy. I I don't want to say we don't want answers to be like, oh, we love stuffing with our Thanksgiving. But every year my dad does this. You know, we have this or my mom serves this. My great aunt does that. That's what we want. Hit us up on X at Roland Podcast or hit us up wherever you see us post the question. We'll we'll read our favorites on next week's show, our our uh, Black Friday episode. Can I give a hot take here? And I Go know this. Please. I know a lot of people. This might be upsetting, but like in, in my, I don't know how you know a lot of families do it, but in different parts of my family, like when you show up, everyone brings a dish. It's one of those Thanksgiving situations where it's kind of you know all laid out. You make a plate. It's always the person that 
didn't make something or forgot or got a text right before like, oh, I was supposed to bring something that gets either the Chick-fil-A nugget platter or <laughs> like those like chocolate chip cookies that are kind of like soft baked, like from from the grocery store bakery, yeah. not like a yeah, Chips yeah. Ahoy. You know what I'm talking about? They're like in the in the clear plastic kind of container. You lift the lid off. Yeah. Those are always first to go on the table. They took zero effort and cost very little money. 100%. And, and like grandma's baked ham that she's been cooking for like a week, that has been soaking in like a saltwater tub for a week. No one's touching, <laughs> but they, but the, they're loaded up with Chick-fil-A nuggets. It, it is, I guarantee you go to, you, you show up with Chick-fil-A True. nuggets to, it, to the, to the finest family meal. It is the first off the board. People it, want it. It's just it. the way yeah. it is. Yeah, I did it last year. I'm doing it again. I'm hosting my extended family for Thanksgiving. I'm a single dad, <laughs> so I'm not going to be in the kitchen. Whatever, everybody's bringing dishes and stuff like that. So uh, I'm I'm doing what you just suggested, Jesse. My contribution will come from a store of some sort. Yeah, Chick Fil A nugget platter done. And even if even if says someone says something judgy to you, you know they're they're dipping into it. Yeah, like they're asking where the sauce is. They're like bitter that they yeah. didn't think of it. Yeah. A, That's the, right. One thing that I made one time that was like my underrated uh, dish was just pigs in a blanket. Like I got the croissants oh, okay. and then a little like I grilled the little I on the grilled the little wiener things and I threw them in. Like because I was like I don't cook. First thing to go. The easiest meal was the last. Pr- I did it right. in that morning. You know, like Publix is still open in the morning. I, st- I got every, I grilled it. I did it all right then. People loved it. All the stuff that mattered didn't matter. Hey, I showed up to one. It wasn't Thanksgiving, but it was another one of these kind of gatherings. And there was a lot of crock pots in play, a lot of like elaborate, like deviled egg boards, <laughs> like stuff that people put time into. I rolled in real talk with pizza bagels. It okay? works, man. It works. Guess it what? Does. Guess what was first gone? Guess what? There was nothing left of. Yeah. yeah guess who's exactly. an American hero now? Dude, did I get judgy looks rolling in with the the plate of pizza bagels? Yeah, I did. But guess what? It was the, the all the all those weird meats that they've been crockpotting all day. Plenty <laughs> left. Plenty. Plenty. You're going home with all it, the kids. Okay? Love you too. They're like Jesse, Uncle Jesse. He brought the pizza. I'm bagels. not going home with one pizza bagel. Sorry, <laughs> that's a real story. <laughs> All right, hit us up. We'll read ours on next Friday's show. All right. Well, before we wrap things up, I want to thank Mike Todd for joining us. Uh, make sure to check out his newest book, Damaged But Not Destroyed. A lot of people are liking it. You don't want to miss out. Get it now. Um, some updates. You know, I give you the same ones almost every episode, so I'm not going to. Just follow us on the socials. Check out the website. Check out Relevant Plus. Get our newsletter. You know, all the stuff you should be doing if you like Relevant. Hey, if you like the show, actually, rate us, review us, wherever you listen. All right. And that's it. We'll wrap it up. I'm Karen Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. I'm Emily Brown. I'm Marty. We will see you on Tuesday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. Check out our features, interviews, and news updates every day at RelevantMagazine.com. And make sure to follow Relevant on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for the latest. For more great podcasts, browse the shows on the Relevant Podcast Network, which you can find at our site. And while you're there, don't miss the all-new era of Relevant Magazine. A new issue releases every other month at RelevantMagazine.com.
you can't not look like you know what you're talking about if you're chewing a big hunk of gum. Relevant Podcast Network.